You're listening to episode 50 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena, the author of Widowed. This is a Joanne the Life Coach podcast production. These are real stories and real experiences of widowhood, both my own story and many other widows I've known and worked with as a life coach. If you're doing any shopping on Amazon.com, you can help support this podcast. Just go there through my affiliate link. You don't pay a penny more on Amazon, but Amazon passes a few cents of their profit back to Widowcast. Just go to joannethelifecoach.com slash Amazon. That'll take you to the main Amazon page. Make that your Amazon link. Then anytime you take advantage of shopping on Amazon, you're helping to support the podcast too. Thank you so much. Hello again, my friends. I'm so pleased this podcast seems to be reaching more and more of you. Share it with everyone and anyone you think might benefit from listening. I've got a lot to update you all on this week. I just met with my New York publisher and my book, Widowed, that's currently available in Kindle format on Amazon, is going to be coming out in print this fall. During a pre-order, doing a pre-order for the book will be available in just a few weeks. Isn't that amazing? I'll let you know when that happens. If you do pre-order the book, it means it's going to ship to you even before it actually releases in the bookstores. The tentative publication date is set for November 7th of this year, but if you pre-order, the book will probably ship out to you in October. I will have actual copies of the printed book myself around March, but instead of selling them myself, I think what I'd like to do is um, give them out signed by me to my clients and to my students of coaching. I'm so excited, can you tell? So many of you have reached out to say that you want to buy the book in print, either for yourself or to share with a friend or give to a family member or even all those things. I only wish the publishing process was faster. But the New York publisher I'm working with is actually getting this into stores much faster than most traditional publishing houses would. So I'm really grateful for their enthusiasm over Widowed. It was a great phone call meeting with them today. The other request I've received is for an online place for you all to connect. I would love to host a website specifically for that, but that's going to take some time to build and perfect. To make sure that we have a space immediately, I created a private closed group page on Facebook. It's called Widowed Book Club. All you have to do is look for Widowed Book Club, do a search on Facebook, and you will see the group come up. You have to click on join and then I will give you access because it is a private closed group. It doesn't just automatically let you in. 
I've only had it up for two days. Already we have 97 members. So I expect we're going to hit the 100 mark this afternoon. Imagine that, two days. I love reading the comments from everyone. When I click like on your post, I don't know if you all are familiar with Facebook, but when people put up comments, you can click this little like to like what they've written. It's not that I like that you're feeling alone or sad or depressed. It's not that I like that you've lost your beloved. Surely you know that. It's that I like, I love that you are there in the group sharing and both getting and giving support to each other. I'm just blown away at the conversations, the reactions. When I created the Facebook group, I just, I wondered if I would get more than a couple people and if anybody would say anything. Oh my goodness, it's been wonderful. I'm present in the group, so don't hesitate to ask me anything. When you type a a post in the group, if you just use the at symbol, you know, it's like shift number two key, and start typing my name, Joanne, after the at symbol, you'll see Joanne Philomena come up and you can click on it and it'll flag me right on your post and make sure that I catch it. There are so many posts in there, I can hardly keep up. One of the common things I'm seeing in the conversations on the group are the feelings of guilt. Guilt that you didn't do enough for your spouse. Guilt, perhaps, for a medical decision you made for them. Guilt for backing their medical decision that they made for themselves. I see guilt for not immediately thinking of them when you wake up in the morning. Guilt for feeling that first twinge of happiness or pleasure after they've passed. The guilt that assails us when we think something like, well, at least I don't have to do the wash twice a week anymore. Or how nice that the kitchen stays clean. That was my thought. I would come down in the morning and the kitchen would still be all cleaned up. Uh, Jim used to get up in the middle of the night and make toast in a mess. (laughs) So, and that was my first big guilt was coming downstairs and thinking, oh, how nice the kitchen is still clean. And then I immediately was just slammed with that guilty feeling of, oh God, you know, because the truth is, yeah, how much would I love to come down and find those toast crumbs and butter all over the counter and a dirty knife and, (laughs) you know, We have guilt that we've had the joy of being there when a new grandbaby's born because he couldn't be there to see it too. We have guilt over selling their car, releasing their things, changing the decor as if they're going to walk through the door any minute. Or maybe we feel guilty because we feel like we're not honoring them if we don't hold on to every belonging, even the dirty old comb in the medicine cabinet. Not that we shouldn't hang on to special memories and to special little things that have meaning for us. But what we experience goes far beyond that because of the guilt associated with being able to let go. Now, most of that guilt, it's arising from a place of love, pure love, because you so wanted everything to be perfect for them. 
right? You loved them so much, you search back through the days and the weeks and the months before their death, thinking, God, did I say I love you? Did I yell at him last week? God, we argued that time. I should have just let it go. Maybe I wasn't insistent enough at the hospital that they do one more thing or that they let me be in the room while that was going on because we deeply love them. We want to be assured we did everything perfect. And if we suspect imperfections, we feel deep, deep guilt. They would not guilt us right? They would not hold us responsible for what our day-to-day lives were like together. You know, I've told the story about telling Jim one day that I wanted to remember what it felt like to be completely annoyed and pissed at him after he dies. He was in the kitchen. He was antagonizing me, which he loved to do sometimes. (laughs) was just so mad at him. And Jim was someone that he would always tell me, you know, I'm going to die before you. Um, (laughs) I turned to him and I said, when you die, I'm going to remember just how mad I am right now. And I remembered saying that after he did die. And I was glad that I did. It was a memory that I came to treasure, even though he did, he died suddenly and unexpectedly. But that memory made me realize that I wanted to remember our relationship exactly as it was. Because, you know, there was beauty and love in every moment, every moment, even if we were arguing about something. I didn't want a Disneyland version of our marriage. I wanted to remember Jim exactly as he was. The amazing, wonderful friend, mentor, lover that he had been to me, as well as all his flaws and foibles. It was all of him that I loved, even his prickly side. That's what I wanted in my memories. And there's no guilt for remembering those times. Because I know that was all part of what I loved, madly, wildly. Now, when I experience something amazing or something that makes me laugh right out loud, I can mentally reach out to him and share it. And I know he's taking in the same delight. I will never in my life be able to eat cheesecake again without saying, oh, Jim, can you taste this in my mind? because cheesecake was his very favorite. It's not my very favorite, but by golly, you know, sometimes that's what I'm going to have for dessert because I'm going to let him taste that through me. If I'm depressed and sad, then that is what I'm sending back to him, all those feelings of deep pain. I would rather share the cheesecake or licks of an ice cream or a giggle over a silly typo or delight in a video. Jim used to tell me he had guardian angels. He was absolutely positive of this. There were three of them. And he called them. Are you ready for this? He called them Larry, Moe, and Curly. (laughs) Only Jim, I'm telling you. He interacted with them, and he knew they were tricksters by nature. Hence, Larry, Moe, and Curly. 
He knew that they would be punking him for his own good and growth because they communicated with him so often in symbolism. If he was experiencing something really extraordinary, he would call them in to sit on his shoulder and experience it with him. One of the first times he did this, it made me laugh. He had to have an MRI. I can't remember if it was of his head or his stomach or Lord only knows, but he had to have an MRI. They were putting him in the machine. And as they moved him back, like you're on this big tray that slides back into this machine. And it was, it's terrifying the first time you have one. Actually, they're not so bad now. They've improved those machines a lot. I remember when I had to have an MRI 20 years ago, it was like going into a sarcophagus. And as they were moving him in, he thought in his mind, okay, Larry, Moe, and Curly, you get in here with me on this. If I have to go through this, you get to experience it too. <laughs> he shared with them what it felt like to be stuck into this MRI. Isn't that funny? But he would also share with them all the things that were terrific. If he was watching a movie with me and it was moving him to tears, he would immediately reach out to his angels to come sit on his shoulder and experience that deep, touching emotion. He believed that our angels take great joy in being able to experience our lives on earth through us and that he owed it to them. They were, his angels were protecting him and teaching him so much through this lifetime and he wanted to give back to them too. So he would give back to them the taste of cheesecake the goosebumps of a good fireworks show, right? As well as the fear of undergoing medical testing. So now I know I can call Jim to come sit on my shoulder and share. And if I have thoughts like, I think maybe I didn't love him enough, I tell him that I think that sometimes. And I tell him that I want him to know that he was completely, madly, wildly loved. And how do I know he hears? How do I know that he's there? How do I know your spouse is there? Why would you feel guilty if you truly felt your spouse was now non-existent? The very existence of your guilt implies life after death, does it not? Grief alone isn't painful, not at all. Guilt that shows up alongside of grief is extremely painful. So acknowledge it. Know that it's because you love them so much and then release it. Will guilt then stop showing up? No, of course not. <laughs> you're still going to have guilt come up all the time. But each time that it does show up, it's going to be easier to acknowledge it. Know that it's coming from a place of deep love for them and release it. Because experiencing the guilt isn't doing one thing to move your life forward. It's not serving any purpose. It's totally indulgent to sit there and feel guilty, guilty, guilty because it's holding you back from being who you are on this planet.
So acknowledge the guilt. Know it's because you loved them that you would question anything and feel guilty about it. And then let it go. Let it go. Hey, are you ready to make a contribution? You might reach the point where you feel like you want to reach out to other widows. You can learn to coach and enter a new life. I realized that what helped me the most in regaining my confidence and growing into a new life and standing on my own feet was becoming a life coach. I was able to reach out to other widows and that has been immensely rewarding for me. Now I want to offer that same experience to all of you and begin to connect this widow sisterhood we have across the globe. It's a brand new program that I'm rolling out. I want to test it with a maximum of eight candidates. I want to keep it small for the first group that goes through this. So if you think you might want to consider learning to reach out and help other widows, now is the time to jump on board and get into this from the start. It's not going to be quick. It's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be easy. There will be work to do. You'll be coaching each other. It's a 12-week program. I'm sure there'll be a lot of tears and there'll be a lot of laughter. Just doing the 12-week program is going to be immensely rewarding. We are starting in this new year to create a new life for you and for other widows. If you think you might be ready for this, shoot me an email and let me know. You can write to me at joanne at joannethelifecoach.com. And that's J-O-A-N-N. No hyphen, no E, just plain old J-O-A-N-N at joannethelifecoach.com. This coming Tuesday is our first onboarding call to just kind of go through the technical aspects of our weekly calls and what we're doing. So act fast. We'll be starting a week from Tuesday with the program. And this program is actually, because I'm offering it at half price on the first run through, it's cheaper than hiring me for coaching for 12 weeks. So you will be part of the first group of widow coaches and actually help me shape the program to best serve you and to best connect widows in your communities. So don't hesitate. This is something you can do to make a difference. I'm really excited to teach the life coaching tools that I use. So get out there, find some joy in your day and do not feel guilty about it at all. Life is joy. There is joy in every day. So find some. Until I talk to you again next week.